Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Kirk Church Podcast. I'm Aaron Elmore, lead pastor at Kirk of the Hills, located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you can hear messages from all our pastors and guest speakers. Make sure to subscribe and share with anyone who follows the Kirk. If you want to know more about us, visit us at thekirk.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at the Kirk Church. Let's get started with today's episode. So Eric Liddell, he was a Scottish missionary. He was born in China where his parents were missionaries. He was also a well-known athlete. His biggest claim to fame was that he won the 400-meter sprint in uh, the Olympics in 1924 in Paris. Part of his life and journey is captured in the award-winning film Chariots of Fire, which came out in the early 80s. It's a great movie. And uh, one line from it is when Eric says, I believe that God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. You know, I hope that you have times, you have moments, you have seasons in your life when the sort of Venn diagram of your talents and your giftedness, your passion and your energy of the need and the opportunity and God's power and blessing converge where you serve him in a way where you feel his pleasure. You feel like you're doing exactly what God made you to do. For me, this experience from a very young age, I was given opportunities to teach the Bible to people. And it's something that I love doing, that I'm passionate about. That at least some people in my life have affirmed that it's something that God has, has gifted me and called me to do. And he's certainly given me opportunities, and I've sensed his blessing in that. And, and when I stand up in front of people and I get to explain the Bible, whether it's, it's teenagers or middle-aged people or, or older people, no matter what the context is, I feel God's pleasure. I feel his joy. I feel like I'm getting to do part of what he made me to do. And I hope that you get to experience that sometimes in your life. Now, the truth is that God calls us to do things sometimes that we're not very good at. And sometimes he calls us to do things that we're not very passionate about, or he calls us to do things that are, that are just not in our lane or our sweet spot. And let's don't box ourselves in and expect that, that every time we do something, it's going to be something that we love and that we're passionate about. Things don't always come together in such a way. But I do believe that our gifts, our experiences, all of it, all our talent, all our opportunity is a unique combination that's been given to us by God. There are no accidents. And they've been given to us by God's divine mercy. And this makes living in community with other people both necessary and compelling. Because the truth is nobody's good at everything. Now, there's some people that you think they've just got it all. They got all the talents. Nobody's good at everything, but everybody is good at something. And God created us so that we have to be independent. It's a beautiful thing. It's a joyful thing that we need various gifts. It's why Paul goes on after this passage, which is another sermon for another time, but, but to talk about how because of the different gifts he's given us, we're like the human body. It's a great metaphor. We need different parts all working together to be healthy. So then what's the difference between just a gift or a talent? A lot of gifted people in the world, a lot of talented people. What's the difference between just a natural talent and what the Bible calls a spiritual gift? It's a reasonable question. And perhaps the difference is not as great as you might think. 
One of my mentors uh, in seminary, Craig Blomberg, he wrote a commentary on this passage, and he concludes that the range of functions covered by Paul's various gift lists make it likely that any combination of talents, abilities, and endowments, however suddenly given or leisurely cultivated, may qualify as spiritual gifts. Notice the way that the New Testament talks about spiritual gifts, it's pretty broad. In fact, if you'll notice some of the gifts, not just in this passage, but in other passages that talk about it, some of them are very vague, like helps, helping, encouragement, hospitality. Those are very open-ended things. And so what if the point here is not to put us in little boxes or to say, like, here are the 17 gifts. And if what you're good at doesn't fit in this, no, that's not the point at all. I think Paul is saying, what are you good at? What are you passionate about? And then how will you intentionally leverage it for the glory of God? That's what makes something a spiritual gift. And so we're going to talk about spiritual gifts this morning. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And a few weeks ago, I suggested, or I said the scripture tells us, that the Holy Spirit is the seal or deposit. So if you have the Holy Spirit in your life, it means that you are in Christ. It's the guarantee. So how do you know you have the Holy Spirit? And I said, well, we have the fruit, we have the power, and we have the gifts, all signs that the Holy Spirit is at work in our life. We talked last week about power. We talked the week before that about the fruit of the Spirit. Today we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. So I want to offer to you a definition as a starting place. What is a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift is a skill, a talent, or an opportunity infused with God's grace, used to serve the life and the mission of God's people. That's how a talent or a skill moves beyond just being a talent and becoming a spiritual gift. It's when we understand that it is infused with grace and we understand the purpose of it is to share the grace of God with other people. This word that that Paul uses here for gift is charisma. It literally translates grace gift. It is a gift that is infused with the grace of God. So in order for a gift to be realized as a spiritual gift, first of all, we have to recognize that we have those gifts. Second, we have to recognize that they are from God. And then beyond that, we need to use them to share God's grace with other people. And so I hope today from Scripture we'll see that a wise and maturing Christian will learn and continue learning, as we're going to talk about, to discern their gifts and to use them for the glory of God and the good of our neighbors. I'd like to offer a thought from the writing of Jerry Bridges to sort of shape the conversation. I don't know if you're familiar with Jerry, but he uh, was very involved in The Navigators, a prolific author, uh, and has written a lot of really good books. But in Transforming Grace, he writes this. This is the amazing story of God's grace. God saves us by his grace and transforms us more and more into the likeness of his son by his grace. And in our trials and afflictions, he sustains and strengthens us by his grace. He calls us by grace to perform our our own unique function within the body of Christ. And then again, by grace, he gives to each of us the spiritual gifts necessary to fulfill our calling. And as we serve him, he makes that service acceptable to himself by grace. And then he rewards us a hundredfold by grace. Do you get it? It's all by grace. Right? God calls us, he empowers us, he sustains us, he mobilizes us, he gifts us. Then he accepts our service of gift by grace, and then he rewards us, and it's all by grace. 
And this is an important reminder because as it comes to giftedness, we very quickly in our humanity can make it about being competitive with other people, about comparing ourselves, about wishing we had other gifts that we don't have, or wishing that our gifts were stronger than other people, or using our gifts to promote ourselves or our own brand. And we don't want to do that because we'll miss the point. It's all about God's grace and sharing it with others. And so this morning, since we're jumping into the middle of a letter here, I want to give a little context to why Paul is writing this. He had an existing relationship with this church. He'd visited Corinth on his second missionary journey. And in this section of the letter, Paul is addressing some concerns that they have already written to him about. So he's addressing specific problems that they have told him they are having within this church that he helped to establish. So... In this church, they're asking about order and structure, particularly related to their corporate gatherings. So Corinth, uh, they've told Paul, their their worship style tends to be a little more demonstrative, right? They were like the charismatics, and I use that in the most positive sense. They were the charismatics of, of the ancient world. In Corinth, they had very demonstrative worship services. Okay, And in that context, what has happened is that they have started to highlight certain gifts which tend to function better in that kind of atmosphere. And they're downplaying other gifts that didn't have space sort of in this environment of this church. And so then certain gifts were elevated, and those were like the real Christians. Like No one would ever really say that, but those are the true Christians, the super Christians who had those particular gifts. And Paul says, no, 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 friends. Yeah, I don't want you to be uninformed about how spiritual gifts Work And so he has to inform them about their use of the gifts. And so in verses 1 to 3, it's, it's a little cryptic the way he says it. But I think what he's saying here is the spiritual gifts are for God's people. They're from God, they're for God, they're about God, and they're for all of God's people. And so he says, if anyone can say Jesus is Lord, then they're a believer. The only way they can say Jesus is Lord, that was, that was like the original creed. That was the original doctrinal statement of the church. So if they are Jesus people, they will say that Jesus is Lord. And if so, they have the Holy Spirit and therefore they have gifts and you all have these gifts. So quit saying that certain gifts are better. Certain people have gifts. Certain people don't have gifts. No, if they're Jesus people, they have gifts and we want to recognize them all. So it goes on to say that spiritual gifts are distributed by the spirit. You don't get to go shopping and pick your own. They're distributed by God. He chooses which combination of giftings he will give us. And yet we can kind of take pride in our gifts. Well, there's no room for that. Your gifts are from God. He is the one who decides. J. Oswald Sanders writes this. He says, pride takes many forms, but spiritual pride is the most grievous. To become proud of spiritual gifts or leadership positions is to forget that all we have is from God. All the position we occupy is God's appointment. He's the one who decides. He's the one who distributes gifts. And we can miss the point when we're, when we get caught up in envy and jealousy of other people and their gifts or the way that they use their gifts. It's all about God. And his spirit is the one who decides these gifts. The spiritual gifts also express the unity and diversity of the church. Notice the language here, the repetition of the word different. Different kind of gifts, 
different kinds of service, different kinds of workings. And yet it's the same spirit, the same Lord, the same God. This is one way that the church is unique. And I think we really need to leverage this because people are looking for some kind of unified force that will bring people together in a diversity that also expresses itself in unity. I mean, isn't that kind of behind most of our political ventures? We're we're trying to bring people together in a unity, but also a diversity. And the church has a unique expression of this. They recognize that people come from all different backgrounds, have all different skill sets, all different gifts, yet we have a unity in one Lord, in one body, in one gospel, in one mission. Lots of different ways to contribute, but we're all on the same team. There is a unity and a diversity in the body of Christ that I think is profoundly unique and intriguing and compelling for the world. We need to celebrate this fact. And yet spiritual gifts can be divisive today as they were in the ancient church, but they're not designed for that. We're designed to recognize the gifts that we need them all and we need them all working together. In verse seven, Paul It's clear to to clarify here. He says the spiritual gifts are for every believer. Every believer. Not to each one, right? Everybody's good at something. And I believe really more than one gift. Everyone is given gifts in the body of Christ. I tend to think of spiritual giftedness as more fluid than static. And what I mean by that is I don't tend to think that, that everybody just gets one gift or everybody has a certain gift set and that's sort of your lane, and that's what you do. I do think that we have gifts that God gives us over long periods of time. There are things that are obvious to us, but I think we also don't want to limit ourselves because, again, this this idea of a spiritual gift is broad. It's passion, it's talent, and God can give you a talent or an ability even for a season. Maybe God can help you to do something that wouldn't you wouldn't normally think to do. Why is that? Well, it's because the needs within the body are constantly changing, aren't they? Within your own family, you have to learn new things, don't you, to survive? As you go through different seasons of life, you have to develop new skill sets. Well, it's true in the body of Christ as well. We need to have an openness to learn new giftings, to ask God for the power to do something maybe that's outside of what we would normally be strong at as well, if need arises. And an adaptability in this. To ask God, and I've seen this all the time. I see it very often in mission trip contexts where people are outside their normal comfort zone. And God will enable them to do something that they wouldn't otherwise have even thought to do. And that's because spiritual gifts fundamentally are for sharing God's grace. Each one is given gifts and they're given for the common good. Not to separate us, but to bring us together. To bring us together in a unity, in a body. And while I believe that we do get personal fulfillment out of using our gifts, the primary purpose must not be lost, and that is to share God's grace with others. I mean, yes, there's, there's something satisfying about doing something that you're good at, about, about being used by God. But let's not stop there. And say, okay, that's, that's the purpose. I feel good about myself. No, the purpose is that God would use us to fulfill needs within his kingdom for the common good. Now, you'll also notice in the spiritual uh, gift lists that a number of them are things that generally God just calls all Christians to do. 
And so we can't make excuses. We can't say, well, I don't have the, that, the gift of evangelism. That's just not my thing. Well, no, there is a general calling for all Christians to participate in the Great Commission, to share the gospel with others. And yet there are also others who have a special spiritual gift, who are particularly effective at being evangelists and sharing the faith with others. Um, things like encouragement, right? Can't just say, oh, no, that's just not my gift. I'm just a bitter, cynical person, you know, or whatever. It's, no, we're, we're all called to, but yet there are some people, you know who these people are, get, get them in your life if you don't. There are some people who are just gifted at encouragement. It just comes natural to them and they're just amazing at it. There's some of you here in this room that I can see you, you're out there. I know who you are. I'm glad you're in my life. So in verses 8 to 10, Paul gives a list of different gifts. And again, with the, the lists in the Bible, they're, they're not designed to be exhaustive. The vice list, the virtue list, the gift list are the same. It's a representative uh, example here. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4 are the three main passages where we get the lists, the, the list of the gifts. So I want to kind of break it down for you here in a set of categories, just so we can wrap our minds around these. Um, there are many ways we could categorize them. Um, but one way to think about it is, Four different types of gifts, speaking gifts, shepherding gifts, serving gifts, and sign gifts. Okay, so the, the shepherding ones are those that are given, particularly those involved in leading. Um, the speaking gifts obviously involve our words. Um, the serving gifts, a little more general there, hospitality, mercy, wisdom, helping. And then the sign gifts, the supernatural signs, which in many ways are designed to, to draw people in, particularly non-believers uh, signs of the inbreaking kingdom of God, as we see it in the New Testament. So as we look at this list, um, I don't have time to break it all down or define each of these, nor do I even think it's necessary. I think they're pretty self-evident. But I think that we can look at the list and find ourselves in there somewhere, or even to understand that there are ways that God has gifted us that can be used specifically to share his grace with other people. And as Paul finishes out this section again, he says what he's already said in verse 11, all these things are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. He says that twice on both ends to make sure that we understand. God's the one who gives the gifts. So don't let your joy be robbed by envying other people or wishing you had a different set. Now, again, I recognize here there is a com- there's a human component to all of this as well. Okay, there is, we cultivate gifts, we steward them, we practice them, right? God, God may give you a great talent to be a musician, uh, and that's something that he has given you, but you also have to practice, you have to work at it. It's, it's both. So I don't want to take the human part out of it. I just think that in our humanity, we tend to f- emphasize our role in the giftedness, and we forget that God is the one who has given us these gifts. So I want to suggest a few action steps toward understanding and recognizing and using our spiritual gifts. The first step is at the top there, and that is learning. It's learning uh, about spiritual gifts, uh, reading these passages, and um, seeking the Holy Spirit in prayer. God, teach me about what it means to use these gifts and and what gifts I have. Uh, Going through a season of self-reflection bringing other people into your life. And this is where the discernment comes in. Having other people speak into you and say, what, what do you see that I'm good at? 
Um, letting others affirm the giftedness that God has placed in your life. But there are also tools that are available. There's these spiritual gift tests. Some people really like them. Some people not so much. Um, that's okay either way. But if you would find it to be helpful, maybe you've done one before. Maybe it's been years. Or maybe you've never done one. Um, we have one right now. It's on our website under our resources section. It's one that's put out as part of the journey, uh, men's, the Bible study curriculum that they do as part of that process. But it's a, it's a just fine spiritual gifts test. And there's other free ones available on the Internet. So if you've never done that before, I encourage you, you know, consider doing that again, not to put yourself in a box, but to give you a starting point for exploring this idea if it's a new concept to you. And then I encourage you to, to take the results of that, obviously to, to pray as you do that and to pray over that, but then to talk to other people, to a close friend, to, to a spouse, to someone who's in your small group, um, somebody that, that you trust as, as a mature Christian to help you to discern these things. The third thing is that we just simply have to use those gifts. We have to commit. That's like almost become a bad word in today's culture. We have to commit to regularly using those things because otherwise our lives just become consumed by the tyranny of the urgent, right? We have to commit to use those gifts on a regular basis. And then finally, we have to flex, not like flexing at the gym, right? But we have to be flexible in our approach to say, God, here's the things that I understand you've gifted me to do, but to maintain open. God, I'm, I'm willing to learn new things. I'm willing to be used in ways that I'm not currently. I'm willing to, to step into needs that may arise within my own family or within the body of Christ or within a group that I'm a part of because those needs are constantly changing. And so maintain an openness. Discern your sweet spot. Discern gifts that God has clearly given you. Use those, but continue to be open and flexible. Trusting that God may empower you for a time or for a moment or for a season. He does it in the Bible all the time. There are times when, when God, God's spirit comes and infuses a special power and a special grace in the life of, of a person in order to complete a task. And it's clear that there was a supernatural component to that. Well, guess what? The same Holy Spirit that did that in the scripture is alive and well today and working in us. And so that's where that openness and flexibility comes in of being open to say, God, here's the things that seem obvious to me, but also you, would you empower me to do things far beyond my wildest imagination? Would you gift me to do whatever it is you've called me to do? And then we'll trust collectively that as we're all doing this, we'll become a healthier body, a more dynamic body as we're all using these gifts discerning and maintaining an openness that God will empower us to do all that he has called us to do. I'd like to close by reading a passage uh, from Romans 12, another place where he talks about gifts. And he says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. In other words, whatever your gift is, use it. Use it passionately. Use it joyfully. Use it gratefully. Give an intensity to your service. Because this is what God has created us to do. And it's all possible through the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit. Would you join me as we pray together? Father, we thank you 
for your grace. We thank you for the presence, empowered ministry of your Holy Spirit in our lives. And I pray, Father, whether this is a new idea to us or one that we've heard about many times, I pray that you would give us eyes to see. You would help us to engage in the ongoing discernment process of understanding how you've made us and how you've wired us. God, and that we would submit ourselves to you to be used by you for your great glory. God, would you use us to bring your grace to other people in this room, to people in our community and people around the world. God, thank you for giving us gifts. And we pray, God, that you would help us to understand them and to use them and to become more whole and complete people as a result of using all that you have given us. God, may we give you all the glory for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.